Hey now, we are getting over an I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to get you through these hard times, Jetta, with the hottest, fastest growing show in all of professional wrestling. And if you think I'm making that up, I actually got an email from Apple telling me as much. So no, that is actually true. Getting over is getting over, and we have another loaded edition of the show for you today. Before we get to that, it's time for you to do your part. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine wrestling audio such as this. Drop us that five-star review. You know it is all about the five. Give us the rating, and don't forget to add some positive words as well. Then you have done your part in helping us get over with the masses. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Getting Overcast, for new episode releases. Sometimes I tweet about wrestling news from there and everything in between. If you want to slide into our DMs or, or send us questions for the show, do it at Getting Overcast. It's easy for me to get them all in one place, and I will make sure that you get on the show. Speaking of the show, we have a show today. It is the Wednesday Night Wars edition of Getting Over. And in this time of great uncertainty, with so much craziness going on in the world, I decided to go back to basics and bring in the man of a million nicknames, my former co-host over at that other show, and a yingling connoisseur, if you can be a connoisseur of yingling, Black Jack Crosby. Jack, it's time for you to get over. I'm back, folks. Yeah, it's not really that hard to be a yingling enthusiast when there's only like five brands of the beer, but I still take pride in it. Well, I think enthusiast and connoisseur are different. I think you... I'm expecting at some point for you during this well, during this pandemic where we're all stuck at home, I'm expecting you to do like a, a yingling and food pairing, like like a like a tweet where I want the yingling black with chicken. You know, I, I'm expecting that at some point. I'm not saying. Oh, it's you want to You want to know something? Five months down me? the line, though. I can see it. You want to know something? And the, the few times you and I have been together in Florida, you should have noticed this. I I know this is going to sound strange. I can't drink beer and eat food at the same time. Interesting. I. I know it's strange. Like I could be at a bar and I could be like nine beers deep and I get hungry. I'll get my food and I'll say, can I have a water? And I'll eat my food, drink the water. Or I could, I, 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 I don't know why I just can't do it for some reason. Well, I know that sounds strange to some people. I'm I, not, I don't know. I'm not that dissimilar from you. Now, if it's a situation where like I'm at a sports bar watching a game and I've been drinking beer and then I yeah. order food, that's one thing, but I will not normally Drink a beer while I'm eating my yeah. I will normally drink water. So if I order a beer and I, it's like half drank and my food comes, I will generally eat the food and then go back to the beer. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because when I was a kid, uh, I think most of us or many of us as kids, at least our generation, drink a lot of soda. And yeah. I used to at some point in high school into early college, I noticed that when I drank soda with meals, I got unbearably full. It hurt. I, had, I would have stomach aches and whatever. So I, two things, really. I really stopped drinking soda altogether. I only drink soda and Coca-Cola or RC Cola, by the way. RC Cola, extremely underrated. But yeah. I will drink one of those with pizza and that's it. Um, the only other time I'll drink a Coke is if, I don't know, like I just am really in the mood for one, but I, but I do not buy soda. I do not keep it in the house. I don't drink soda regularly. But what I don't do is I do not drink soda with meals because I learned it would get me unbearably uncomfortable, yeah. uh, the carbonation and, and just the fullness of it along with eating. So I feel that with beer. Uh, I, I can see where you're coming from. I will still drink beer with food, but it's not so much where it's like a a normal part of the process. I I We'll go to dinner and drink beer during dinner. But yes, during the food eating part of it, 
I'm, I, I'm with I, you on it. I drink water. I know. I just yeah. can't do. I I just can't. I I was never able to do it. And even I I just can't. By the way, shout out to Do South Brewing here in uh, South Florida. I, I know not many of you live here. And by the way, looking at like some of the Apple analytics, like where you guys are listening from, uh, pretty crazy. Like state of Israel, like South Africa, Philippines. It's awesome. All you guys listening from across the globe. I hope you're all staying safe. Um, but Do South Brewing here in South Florida, a very, very smart move for a brewery because they had to basically close their indoor facility, their, their bar room. Um, they are doing to go and they're doing, I don't know why I said it like that. They're doing to go, uh, but they're also doing like delivery to your car in the parking lot, uh, which is, and delivery to your home as well. So I just had, they have a special beer called Curse of the Irish Red. They made a coffee version of that beer. Absolutely fantastic. If you, if you live in South Florida, anywhere from like West Palm to Miami, make sure you take a trip to do South Brewing in Boynton Beach, my favorite number one brewery in the world. Okay. That's enough beer talk. Let's talk, Jack, about professional wrestling yes and let's, and let's move into the main event and the main event for this week is a little weird because while there wwe has given us plenty to talk about mostly because they're on the road to wrestlemania during this time the, dealing with the coronavirus a lot of the matches that are happening on nxt and aew and even wwe in some respects they don't matter that much like the kenny omega sammy guevara match there's kind of storyline there because it's inner circle versus elite but it didn't actually matter. You know, some of the other matches that happened on the show, Cody versus Jimmy Havoc, didn't actually matter. But what did matter, and what got a lot of people talking, was the end of AEW Dynamite. <laughs> and I think I think that's where we need to start. And I'm really curious what your take is, Jack, because I know that you are a huge AEW fan. I think they've even taken some of your NXT fandom and maybe even brought it over to them. Oh, they uh, did. Not where you're, I don't think, not an NXT fan, but I think you are... Now, number one in AEW fan where I'm still, I like NXT more, but I, I'm wondering how fair you're going to be. And that, that's one of the reasons, uh, I mean, I asked you to come on the show before this, but, but it's one of the reasons I'm happier on the show this week. There were two parts to that final segment to me on, on Wednesday night for AEW. The first was Chris Jericho cutting a promo on a drone, Vanguard one. And I'm going to pause real quick and we're going to listen to it right now. So there he is. Is he talking? Vanguard one. I'm glad you showed up, guard. Guard. Because I got a couple things I want to tell you. First of all, I don't like you. I've never liked you. I don't like what you stand for. I don't like your beliefs. I think you're arrogant. I don't appreciate your political views on social media. You're a piece of shit, Vanguard. He's cutting a promo on a drone. Yeah, you heard me. I think your piece of trash has lost it. And even though I don't like you, well, I respect you. And that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> no way to join the inner circle. <laughs> well, okay, no we way. think about it, Vanguard. All the power will lie in the propellers. Your propellers will be spinning. <laughs> he wants everybody. With all the money you're gonna make. We'll be pouring bubbly right down your gas tank. All those Instagram drone models will be flocking around wherever you go. You'll be smoking the finest of mechanical cigars. Come on, Vanguard. For old time's sake. You are witnessing you this. Chris Jericho is asking a drone. A drone, Vanguard. Huh? I think that's a no. What do you say, man? 
Okay, no, no, fly this way. Hey! Vanguard turning the other hey, cheek. You come yeah, back here, absolutely. Vanguard! Turning his back on. You come back here, you son of a bitch! Come on, You're Chris. You're gonna regret this! Okay, so you heard that. I thought that was brilliant, Jack. I thought it was one of the most genius promos in wrestling history. I'm not saying that it's one of the best promo. People are out there saying it's a top five. You're joking. You have to be joking because it wasn't that good. But the genius of Chris Jericho being able to cut a successful, funny, entertaining promo at a drone, it's unmatched. It's why people, I don't agree that he's a Mount Rushmore wrestler. I don't think he's top four all time, but it is why he deserves at least consideration in that top tier. Um, I also loved that AEW had Vanguard during the show check in on Nick Jackson <laughs> that was in, cool. in California. But before we get to the rest of the segment, are you aligned with me on how that opened up the Jericho promo on Vanguard? Yeah, that was one of the more genius things I've seen in a long time. I mean, and, and few people could pull that off. Chris Jericho is definitely one of them. And he did he did it to perfection. Like he called a drone a piece of crap in the vulgar <laughs> sense. Hey, but, but he also he also used it like it had two names like it was like first name van last name guard he's like you know what guard and, you're a piece of shit and the like all of it was perfect from the entrance of vanguard to the promo and my i think my favorite part of it was how vanguard slowly went away and jericho starts losing his mind as as if a person were to turn their back and walk away from you that's what the freaking drone yeah. did and jericho's losing his mind I thought that was genius. I loved it. He sold it completely. And, and that is pro wrestling. I'm not out here saying that we need people wrestling with like blow up dolls and, you know, some of the other stupid things that have happened in professional wrestling history. Um, but that was smart and funny. And it's not speaking to the casual audience. It's speaking to the long term wrestling fan who yeah. gets it, who understands. They don't just get Vanguard and Broken Matt Hardy. They get Chris Jericho and how asinine this thing that they're showing us is but at the same time understanding that it's damn funny and like thinking man when did they come up with the idea to do this that must have been a riot you know him tony khan and matt like talking that through that must have been funny okay all the credit in the freaking world to that jack but i am being honest i think people know from listening to me long term i am an unbiased wrestling fan the rest of that segment to me it wasn't garbage it wasn't it wasn't uh, terrible. I don't want to use words to that extreme, but it was not nearly as good as people thought it was. And I thought it went on far too long. I thought Hardy was repetitive and somewhat annoying in certain parts. The teleportation, I got the concept, but it was poorly done. Honestly, they had lights flashing in the background and they would make cuts with the light cha lights would change, but not in sync with what was actually happening. If you watch it again, you'll see what I'm talking about. And Matt Hardy, for this reinvention of the broken character, uh, the return, you know, I don't know if you've been following this stuff on YouTube, but the whole concept is that Zenith left his body and he's now Damascus, yep. or, or that's the, the thing that's running him. Uh, and it's different and it's better and it's the best it's ever going to have been. But it's the exact same character with a red streak instead of a white streak. And for someone as creative as Matt Hardy, I, so far, candidly, am disappointed in what I'm seeing from Broken Matt Hardy and specifically from this segment that I thought it droned on. Jericho and Hardy repeated themselves a lot. There were funny parts, um, but I, I just did not think it was successful. I, there was a part in the promo that sort of, it, 
it gave away what the problem was here in that when Jericho, when, uh, or when Hardy started doing the delete chant and Jericho said, there's no crowd here to cheer with you. Right. The crowd was missing from this. That was the problem here. Um, I've got like the, the teleportation and stuff like that. I'm going to give them a break here because it, I, it was a, it was a creative way. It was a creative use of there being an empty arena. It, it, if it didn't come off like uh like a Hollywood movie, uh, you know, so, well, so sure, be it. it's not going to. Yes, that's fine. You know what? So be it then. But it was a creative use of not having people in the crowd. Now, but like even even I hated it last week. You know, I didn't might like the Brody Lee debut in front of no crowd. Fine, I'll live with it. But the Matt Hardy debut, it bothered me a little last week that like that place would have went nuts when he showed up and they weren't there. That promo, it would have come across a ton better had there been people in the crowd while they were doing it. I also think had there been people in the crowd, it would have been shorter because they would have cheered in certain parts that would have allowed them to pause and then yeah. move on and think through what they're going to say next. I... I I like that AEW is giving their wrestlers a lot of freedom. That, though, was almost too unscripted and too unplanned. It was almost like they said, hey, Matt, what's, your, what's, the, what's the point you're going to make? Chris, what are you going to say? All right, go out there and do it. Which, in, in a short promo segment, five minutes is going to work. That was like a 10-minute end to the show. Yeah. And, you know, there are things that popped me when Matt punched him and Jericho, like, was standing there stunned, and he's like, whoa, you really are magic. You dropped the champion with one punch. That's funny. Like That, that worked. Yeah. I like that. But like Matt and Jericho going back and forth, repeating the same things to each other, it was just mind-numbing. And it also goes to show, in my opinion, that Broken Matt Hardy, this character, it is genius, okay? Long-term from TNA, even the stuff he did in WWE was very good, despite it being cooled down in many ways. It works so much better out of the ring. In the Hardy compound, let him tell his story, weave yeah. a video together, let it be part of the production, let him bring people there. Him coming from the rafters like Sting in some ways into the ring, even if there was a crowd, will the crowd buy in? Yeah, the crowd's going to go nuts. It's going to do delete with him. It's going to go crazy. Because especially an AEW crowd. But it doesn't change the fact that it, wasn't good. I think that I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I was entertained by it, but I will give you credit on the point that it was too long. It, it did. It dragged, it dragged on a little bit and they were getting a bit repetitive. So they, they, they probably could have shortened it a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. You know it, it's so hard. And I know I haven't done the podcasting in a while. And especially during these unfortunate circumstances in the world, it's so hard to critique wrestling when you realize I know, I know, the, I know. the limited resources they like, I'll watch it and I will get aggravated some stuff, but then I'll be like, oh, well, damn, you know, but they're trying. That That's the thing. And that is something Sucks. that, and that is something that I'm just going to assume that you haven't heard other shows, but basically at the start of every show, I've, I've pretty much said, look, any criticisms you're about to hear, you know, or, or any criticisms I'm about to make on this certain topic, they come with like a disclaimer that, look, I'm, yeah. I'm really appreciative that these guys are doing pro wrestling. Right. And by the way, and by the way, let's be honest, I started this podcast because we were on the road to WrestleMania. You know, the other one ended the w, the wrestling show. And I was like, if I'm going to start a podcast ever on the road to WrestleMania is the time to do it. 
Yeah. And the truth is, I'm not saying this would have been completely dead in the water, water if both of shows stopped taping. I'm not going to say this would have completely been dead in the water if both shows stopped taping all of a sudden. But I would have been doing pay-per-view rewinds for a couple weeks. And you know, <laughs> I, I know some people are into that, but eventually you kind of want to talk about wrestling that's actually happening, right? So I, I am completely appreciative that both of them are putting on shows. And yes, they all deserve like, you know, two points on a grade. So if it's a one through 10 scale, a normal eight is a 10, a normal six is an eight. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. all deserve a little bit of extra credit. You grade, you grade on the curve. You grade on a curve, exactly. So so that all needs to be said. And like I did say, the Jerome part was genius. But as it went on and as it got longer, it got more repetitive. And you could tell that they weren't actually going anywhere. And ultimately, they didn't actually go anywhere, which I think is the exact opposite of what happened to close NXT. And that's where I want to move on here. Um, before we get into that specific topic, NXT and WWE have made the decision not only to cancel NXT TakeOver Tampa Bay, which, by the way, was shaping up to be a hell of a card. But they're not just canceling it. They're not putting any of the matches on WrestleMania. They're not going to try to hold it three months from now. They are going to put every match from that card, obviously with the exception of ones they were building where talent can't get here. I assume a tag team title match is off because Pete Dunne can't come in, things like that. Walter and Finn Balor, same thing. But they're going to put all those matches on NXT television. So real quick, is that the right decision? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's right. It's a, it's a good way to chew up a few weeks of television with some good matches because we know how long matches can go. And NXT has two hours every week to fill. And when you're doing a weekly television show, which is where it's sort of a problem AEW has, like at least Raw and SmackDown are building to something. Right. So, I mean, so right now they're, they're, they're not in a bad place with putting on a weekly television show, but AEW had to hold off blood and guts. NXT now doesn't have a takeover to build to. So for right now, a quick fix, you just throw those matches on weekly television. It chews up time. You'll be fine. So I think there's something to be said for NXT putting on a show like they did Wednesday night, which I thought by and large was a regular NXT show. And I was really concerned about whether that would be the case coming out of last week where they aired a complete clip show with big video previews of Champa Gargano and, and, and stuff about Balor and Rhea Ripley. But I do think there was a happy medium that they could have reached here. Gargano, Champa, I get the promo that they cut on Wednesday. We're going to air it in a moment. Um, but that's a WrestleMania match. They have space on the Dude, card. And, it, it is such a big feud, Jack. It is such a big match. I don't... If they put that on NXT television and they put commercials during that match, Gargano Champa, the blow off, the last match ever, that is a travesty. That is a, it doesn't need to main event WrestleMania, but they already have Ripley on one show. Yeah. Give NXT a featured slot on the other show and let those guys have like, their blow off match on a big stage. Like, dude, you're telling me, like you just out of the blue the other day said Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. Okay. What if you told people WrestleMania last time ever, John, last time, which day, last time ever under the NXT banner? Because we know saying WWE is a load of bullshit. Yeah. I hate when they do that. But and say, all right, just tell Aleister Black, look, man, you're, you're, you got to, you're going to get your WrestleMania moment someday. Don't worry about it. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. I would a thousand times 
rather that. But here's the thing. They didn't even need to do that. They are, they're doing two nights of shows. I'm not saying each night needs to go five hours, but they do have plenty of space right now for like three more matches to be added. So you could definitely, because they're going to do a SmackDown tag team title. They're probably going to do one additional match from SmackDown. How many, could, what, how many, how many hours are we looking at these two nights? I think, I think, I think we're going to get eight hours. I think we're going to get Oh four. my God. I think including, including, no, 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 including pre-show. You think they do a pre-show? Yeah, I think they're going to do like, my guess is they do an hour pre-show for each night. The first one previewing all of Mania, the second one previewing or recapping what happened the night before and previewing the night upcoming. Yeah. And I think we get one match on each. Corbin Elias is like an obvious one. And then maybe Black Lashley is the other one. Yeah, the maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then each show, I think, goes three to three and a half hours, which I would I say don't... three, seven to ten, seven to ten. That's it. Yeah, with overrun. But yes, yeah. I mean, let the let the main event go as long as it needs to go. But yes, I'm with you on that. But regardless, yeah. for this match, like I got I got the promo and we can listen to it right now. Uh, I got the promo, but I just think it's the wrong decision. Let's listen to Triple H, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa here. The only reason the two of you are still here is because of me. If it was up to Regal, he would have fired both of you. There's going to be no physicality here tonight. You understand me? So I'm not asking you. I'm telling you to get in this ring. Don't touch him. Don't touch me. This has gone on long enough between the two of you. You understand me? I can understand where you're both at with this. I've been there. Sean and I went through this. All of it. The two of you got to know, and I get it from a professional standpoint. I get it. But trust me, guys, there's going to come a time in your life, like what everybody is going through right now, where all that is going to be put aside. You'll realize you had something more in life than what happens in this ring. But that aside, I get it. But it's got to end. What people don't understand is this was supposed to end last year, but this guy went and broke his neck. My biggest regret right now is I wasn't the one who broke it. Let's keep him back. Just calm down. Talk about bigger things going on in the world. Bigger things have been going on in my world for the last year of my life. You're right, I broke my damn neck. I gave away my life. Now I'm telling you, just like I'm telling you, this, this needs to end. After everything you two have been through, you deserve this to be on the biggest stage there can be. We don't, we don't need a big stage. We don't need that. All we need is a ring, a referee, a camera guy. Put us wherever you want. You say you know better than anybody. You and Sean know better than anybody. This is about one thing. Who's the face of this company? Who's the heart and soul of NXT? It's me. It's me. No spoiler for you. It's me. I am the heart and soul. Great. You guys want to finish this? You don't need a crowd. You don't need an arena. Just the two of you? Just the two of us. I'll give you that opportunity. When you want it. You ready now? No, I'm not ready now. He put me through a table two weeks ago. He threw me off a perch, this and man. Tell man. me how long you need. What do you need? Two weeks. Two weeks. 
I'm gonna find an empty building. I'm gonna put a ring in there. I'm gonna give you a referee. But when it's over, it is over. Do you understand me, both of you? When it is over, it is over. Two of you will walk into the building when I find one. One of you will walk out and it's done. I promise you that if it continues after that, I heard you both say that this place isn't big enough for the two of you. Well, it is. Because if it continues on after that, then neither of you will be here. And you won't have to worry about being the heart and soul of NXT because NXT will carry on without you. No mai un bărbat o să câștigă și dacă pierzi, omul mai slab e gata. O să vezi dorere. All right, so, you know, Triple H's key line in the whole thing is hysterical, of course. I'm going to find an empty building and put a ring in there. mf -er, where do you think you're standing right now? No, wait a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on. Wait, this is where my question comes in. Yeah. Aren't they shutting down Orlando for two weeks? Uh, I think or starting today. I think starting Thursday. And I don't know that it's. I think WWE, because of their relationship with the city, can do whatever they need to do. Because what I took away from but they're that. But they're pre-taping anyway. By well, oh, well, no, unless yeah, they they because they did the NXT taping per PW Insider on Sunday. I think they're pre-taping through. Um, yeah, but they're doing to, WrestleMania. I think, I, yesterday I think today. I think they're pre-taping through the Raw and NXT after WrestleMania, but not the SmackDown that week. Man, such weird times we live in. That we yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know exactly. But if they're promoting that match, they know it's going to get taped. So I'm not even worried about that. But my point is, they're going to put a ring in an empty building. That's where they are—a ring in an empty building. So, like, I understand what they're saying. They're going to actually make it like a warehouse match, where it's literally like a ring in an empty warehouse with just a ref, and that's what they're going to do. But I don't feel like that's the type of match that should blow up this feud. I don't, I don't feel like that's the type of venue. Um, that should blow off this feud. And I mean, they even said it in the in the promo. It was smart booking and it was good promo work for them to say, hey, I, I think you, for Triple H to say, I think you guys deserve the biggest stage. And every, and me, including, you know, everyone. Oh, wow, they're going to put it on WrestleMania. That's great. And then and Johnny's like, no, I don't want that stage. Let's just beat the crap out of each other. And it's like, OK, it's just it's all dude. right. Dude, and, and and look to to our to our normal listeners, like you guys know me, I I know 90, 99% of what I say about pro wrestling on Twitter is sarcasm, but I really wasn't being all that sarcastic when I said it was like Dad yelling at his kids, especially Johnny coming down the ramp and going, yeah. "Was well, my fault? It was his fault, Dad." Right, right. And I'm I'm like I'm semi serious when I say that, and then the promos go, "All right, you two, I've had enough of your shenanigans here," and it's like. All right, this is kind of corny. I don't like this. Well, and then I do think a little bit, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if this was supposed to be a William Regal thing and they don't want to bring him for obvious reasons because he's older. Quite possibly, you know. yeah. Or maybe, he, I doubt he's overseas, but he could be. Or if not, he's older and it's not worth the risk. And Hunter, but, Hunter did even say, if it was up to him, you'd be fired. But right. I uh, saved was, your asses. I want to clarify. It was a very well-constructed segment. Um, I mean, what we just heard was 
great wrestling, in my opinion. All three cut good promos. It made sense. Uh, they gave good reasoning for it not being at WrestleMania. I'm just someone who has been following this feud for years. A lot, a lot of people listening to this have been following this feud for years, and and we didn't even necessarily want the match in Tampa Bay in the first place. But like you talk about UFC, right? The gods not wanting Khabib and Tony Ferguson to fight. The gods don't want this feud to end properly. Like like everything. Like Champa gets injured. They have to do the title change. Uh, now this is happening. It's like we they don't want. Champa Gorgano to ever end. So in an, in an ideal world, Adam, do this match. Do what you got to do, whether we like it or not, whether we like the format. When when life returns to normalcy, one of them goes to Raw, one of them goes to SmackDown, and we move on with our lives. And yeah, yeah we I understand we're going to revisit these two down the road on the quote unquote main roster. I, I get that. But for now, one to SmackDown, one to Raw. Enjoy life. You're right about that, and I actually do believe that they both need to go to the main roster, even though I don't know how successful Gargano will be there. I'm actually worried about that, but I don't think they're going to move them out of NXT because part of, because part of the way that pro- promo was cut was it wasn't this place is not big enough for the both of you, which I thought we were going to get a loser leaves NXT match and Champa was going to leave. That's what I thought was going to happen. Instead, it was... You guys are, are both the faces of this place. You're huge here, whatever. I can't have you doing this every week. So this has to be the last time. You have to promise me or you're going to get fired. And, and dude, I, I know we're going to get to, but I'll, I'll just, I'll rip the bandaid off because I, I understand, like I've been away from the listeners for a bit. Now the end of the segment. Well, that's what, yeah, I was getting into that. Go for it. Killer Cross and Scarlet should have went to Raw or SmackDown, preferably SmackDown. that's a belief I've held since they signed them and Scarlett's been there for a while. They both are good on TV and I'm not just talking impact. I have seen them do triple a team. They are comfortable on television. You don't have to train them. Scarlett. will look, let's be honest with each other. She will grab a fan base on her own. Killer cross is just so scary. Talented, which is why it's been so long since we saw a guy in the independence draw that much interest where WWE just groveled at his feet to say, please come here. I don't agree one bit with Killer Cross showing up in NXT. He and Scarlett should have been a main roster act from the get-go because it's something new, it's something fresh, it's something they could have got over. Like I said, preferably SmackDown. That would need a jolt like that. I think Rod would be fine. I don't agree with Killer Cross getting involved with NXT right off so, the bat. I am with you on that, and I do agree. If it was me, I would have put them right on SmackDown. But yep. I, th- I would not be surprised if WWE got a little gun shy because of what happened with Mike Bennett or Mike Canales, whatever, and Maria Canales, because they skipped NXT. They brought him straight to the main roster. And it's not it's a totally different gimmick, obviously, but it's man and woman, husband and wife situation. Put them right on the main roster, introduce them to a large crowd. And then it didn't totally work, although it was kind of getting over. Maria got pregnant. They got pulled off TV. Mike had a drug problem. You know, we know all these things that happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if WWE is giving them a short-term push in NXT, almost as like a means of evaluation and saying, hey, let's make sure this works. And then rockets them up. And to it, the main and yeah. And if they do, yeah, don't keep them there long. Don't it, prolong this. Don't like just get them comfortable. Make sure you're cool with them and then get them in front of a larger audience because yeah. both of them are going to be so fantastic in WWE. Yeah, because we did get a DM slide from Black Saber Jr. at underscore Black Saber Jr. And he was basically asking the same question. 
with these guys apparently debuting, they did so in the main segment of NXT in the hottest, longest running feud in NXT history. How do you feel about them seemingly being inserted right into the main event scene? And I think that's the right decision, because if you're not going to put them on the main roster, you do have to insert them, not necessarily into an Adam Cole title picture or a Velveteen Dream does win the title as his first challenger. You're putting them hot in the middle of, not in the middle, but on the outskirts, I should say, of the longest running, hottest feud in NXT history. And presumably this person, Killer Cross, who knows what they're probably going to go with Kevin Cross, my guess is once he deb- debuts, um, is going to attack the winner of this match, maybe the next week on NXT. You know, that's the expectation is that he's going to go after the winner, not the loser. So I'm excited for it. I think they've done a really good job teasing their fan base for Killer Cross. You know, you're not trying to do a vignette because you're not trying to introduce a raw crowd to someone they've never seen before. Yeah. You're trying to tease the debut of someone that NXT fans already know, or at least you expect them to know. So I do find that to be interesting. Um, but I, th- I think they're very well done. You know what? I'm not going to talk about it on the show, but they even did a vignette for Dexter Loomis, who it was, um, good. It was good. And I'm really very excited. The guy, the guy has a unique look. Uh, he's extremely talented and athletic. So now NXT is finally what it used to be, where it would take these really big names and add them to the scene of Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Finn Balor, while simultaneously building up the talent that they're trying to develop. And I think we're getting back to basics with NXT, which it had not been since this TV, TV deal started because they wanted to use their stars and they wanted people, you know, to get over. They brought Finn Balor. They have Charlotte Flair, you know, c- competing with Rhea Ripley. I'm now seeing more, uh, you know, points of the old NXT that I fell in love with. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, before we move on to the fastest 15 minutes in pro wrestling, one other topic on NXT, Jack. Uh, this NXT women's number one contendership ladder match. Uh, again, it'll be air on TV instead of at a takeover. I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. This may be an all-time women's match in wrestling history. Yeah. Think about this. Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Io Shirai, Tegan Knox, Chelsea Green, and then most likely either Shotzi Blackheart or Dakota Kai in a ladder match for a number one contendership. I don't necessarily think it's going to rival the North American title men's ladder match, which was top one of my top 10 matches of all time, honestly. Like, like I know we have the, Omega, was, yeah. at, at least in America, at least in North America, okay? That was fantastic. I don't know that it's going to rival that, but dude, they have every chance to be the best women's match in NXT history. And that is saying a lot considering some matches we've seen. The NXT women's division has really, really shaped out nicely. Yeah. Be- be- between the mix of the somewhat, what you call the veteran talent, and then the new talent coming up. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, this match is going to be a banger. Yeah, it's, it's not the division in terms of star power may not be as strong as it was for horsewomen or shortly thereafter. Um, but talent wise, it's as talented as it's ever been. And I'm really curious to see, you know, which of these women actually develop into the main roster stars that we expect. We know, you know, we know Candice LeRae has all the talents in the world. I think she's an NXT wrestler, though. I do. You, you know what, though, Adam, to that point, that's a good that's that's a good point. But, you know, as as employees or contractors, but, you know, as a collective group, they're a team. OK. And right now the team captain is Rhea Ripley. Right. Rhea is get, like she is the captain of this women's squad and she's getting a huge opportunity to elevate the NXT women's division with her place against Charlotte at WrestleMania. And then she, is, she can use that to rub off on the other women like this is a team effort here with Rhea leading the charge. 
Rhea, just based on age, ability, look, all those things, has such a unique opportunity to be an all-timer. Like, you look at certain people, Velveteen Velveteen Dream for the men, Rhea Ripley for the women, where you say, I can see it. I can see main event of WrestleMania. I can see future Hall of Famer. Doesn't mean they're going to get there. You know, you can't can't project that. Uh, Just like with MLB or any other sport, you know, you you draft a a player really high, you're like, man, I can see it. Like, this guy's... Zion Williamson is actually a really good example, right? It, it could not happen for him. God, knock on wood. You know, knock on wood, he could, get, he could get hurt at some point. We don't want that for him. But you see the personality from him. You see the athleticism and the ability already in his rookie season. And you're like, this is the guy. Like, this can yeah. be the best player in the league. This guy can be a Hall of Famer. And I see that from Velveteen Dream and Rhea Ripley. Okay, moving on to the fastest 15 minutes in professional wrestling. Five topics. Try to go three minutes each. I did, by the way, forget to mention on the prior segment – Io Shirai's back, which is awesome. And she came back two months after a semi-serious knee injury. So awesome that she's back. Okay, fastest 15 minutes in professional wrestling, Jack. We're going to start with AEW commentary. Really unique circumstances, obviously, with coronavirus. Forced Tony Schiavone into the main chair and both Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes on commentary. I want us to give a letter grade to all of their performances, starting with you. Tony Schiavone, A. I'll never not give Tony the God. It was so nice to hear him just, uh, just alone. Cody C minus. He tried. He tried his best. Uh, Kenny. Uh, I love you, Ken D. So I'm going to shock you here. Uh, so Tony Schiavone, a, you know, I'm not a massive Tony Schiavone fan, but he did a great job and he certainly did prove that when JR is ready. And I do think that JR being in that spot, He's gotten more comfortable as the weeks have gone on, and I like him there, honestly. I know people get annoyed with him, but JR brings that familiarity that just I love as a, as a wrestling fan. I was not a WCW fan, so Tony doesn't do that for me. JR does. So I, I like that, and I do think he's helping you know everything get over in AEW in general. Just people like hearing Jim Ross. But Tony Schiavone, A, I thought he did a really good job. I am polar opposite from you on Kenny Omega. B plus for Kenny Omega. (laughs) I thought he did a fantastic job on commentary to the point that I actually tweeted, Jack, when Kenny is done wrestling, which hopefully is not for a while, six, seven years, something like that, he should seriously consider getting into color commentary. I found him enlightening. He told good stories. He spoke from the heart and he did what you want that spot to do which is speak as a former or he's current, he's a current wrestler, but as a wrestler of what they're seeing, what they know, their personal um, beliefs, how they see storylines going. He talked like it was real. Cody, I thought was an F. Like, you know, I I know you want to give him a break. It's fine. Cody, you guys all know, I've completely come around on him as a wrestler. You know, didn't really like him much as a wrestler. Now I do. I, I think there's a lot for him to build on. And I think Cody is one of the most talented people minds in the industry right now. Um, But on commentary, dude, it was insanely repetitive, uh, relatively boring at times. And during the last segment, even though I didn't like the last segment so much, he constantly was talking over the promo. Can't have that. So Cody, Cody, I love you, but this like trying to do everything that triple H does and now doing commentary, just like triple H did a couple of weeks ago. No, not for you, buddy. But circling, we we can circle back to our main topic because I did think it was freaking fantastic and hilarious during the Jericho promo. Every time he would slam the elite 
where both Cody and Kenny, mainly Cody, would say he knows we're standing right here, right? Yes. And I think there was like even Cody, I mean, sorry, even uh, Jericho, like grabbing the camera and shooting the cameraman singing the song awesome. and them doing commentary over that. I actually thought that was the best part of the evening uh, for Cody. But on commentary, like I get it. I totally understand the circumstances. But man, just let Tony like do it himself with guest wrestlers all night. Because Kenny, like I said, was great. Put Hangman in there. He would do a good job. Thank I want to see... I want, yeah, put 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 a uh, Moxley in there even, or or uh, Guevara. You know, there's plenty. They have plenty of people that could have gone in there and done some commentary. Uh, I get it with Cody. You know, it's not an insulting thing. I, I just being fair. I didn't think it was very good. So, all right, moving on. Uh, opposite of Cody, uh, at least on Wednesday night, Jake Roberts. He cut <sighs> an incredible vignette oh. promo on the show and concluded as Jake Roberts always should. Trust me. One of the rare WWE legends that that company somehow did not find a use for in these last couple of years because he wasn't clean for a long time. But now he is. DDP took him under his wing. Um, You know, for all the legends and big names that we have seen in AEW, I don't necessarily know that anyone is doing a better job than Jake Roberts. Dude, I mean, for years and years and years, we all wondered what Jake Roberts would be as just a character in WWE, a managerial role, what, what what have you. And look, I understand why WWE never took that chance. They were right to never take that chance. Mm-hmm. But now with where Jake is mentally, physically, emotionally in his life, now where, where we assume he is, AEW is affording us the opportunity. And holy crap, is he just reminding everyone of just how great he is. Yeah. It's insane. How this man just has the the intellectual knack for professional wrestling, just far beyond what most pe- nine, 90% of people in history have ever exuded. It's crazy. He understands what it means to be a heel better than maybe anyone. And I, I mean, just, just the, I, go ahead. of, you know, you started this company and you were this, you know, you were doing this, that you didn't give me one phone call. You didn't call me one time. Yo, know, they had legends like Bret Hart come in and all this crap. They wanted to have flair. But he's like, you didn't call me once. So he finds an assassin. And even the, even the story he gave Archer, he's like, you were afraid of him. You saw what he was doing in Japan. You were afraid of him. So you yep. didn't sign him. So I brought him here. It, it's pretty perfect. And it's a combination of the writing and the booking and Jake being Jake. But like I said, he's he gets the heel character better than... You know, I don't want to say better than anyone in wrestling history and be hyperbolic like that, but uh, among he's among that very short group of heels who understood what it was to be a heel and didn't ever feel the need to be cool as a heel. Just wanted yeah. to be bad. He's bad. Jake Roberts is a bad guy. And it comes off on TV and it's going to get Lance Archer over as all hell. I think they're doing a great job. And Archer, you know, I, Archer, I like his reinvention in New Japan. I think we all saw it in the G1. We were really excited to see it. He had a great run there. Um, but I do think he needs a little bit of help. And I think this pairing in particular is the really smart decision. Uh, speaking of new introductions to AEW, they're having a lot of them lately. Brody Lee, uh, is in his second week as the exalted one on AEW dynamite. And you know what? I I don't think it's working. Um, I don't particularly like it. People are somewhat enjoying, I guess, his Twitter with evil Uno and, and some of the, back and forth that they have. That's cool. That's not happening on TV. 
uh, the Exalted One introduction as a video, as a vignette in Arena. And it would have been, I think, even on a regular Dynamite. It was previous, it was clearly taped, and, and that was yeah. their plan. Uh, I thought it fell short. And the the match, whatever, you know, it was a it was a squash match anyway. But the backstage vignette. Uh, it was pretty WCW to me. It was Brody Lee taking shot after shot at Vince yeah. McMahon. Cool. It. Uh, cutting the steak into little pieces. Uh, someone sneezed at the table, so he yelled at them. You know, they're, they're taking shots at Vince. And I don't mind that. I think when it's done intelligently and actually funny, that it, it can work. And you have to do it also yeah. in very small doses. You can't do it every week. You do it, you know, once every three months. You throw something in there that fans love. They do it on Being the Elite sometimes, and it's funny. Um, I thought this was bad. I thought it fell short, and I don't think it's working. So no, I, I I like Brody Lee as the exalt. I, I think this is going to be okay. I think he's going to thrive in this role. Like the guy has personality. WWE never saw that. But as far as the Vince pot shots, you got to cool it. Now I was okay with the one to to Christopher Daniels in the debut, where he said, "You're not the first old man. You're yes. not the first out of touch old man yes. who who didn't believe in me." That because number one, it's true. It's true because yeah. you know. Yeah. Sometimes WWE gets unwanted crap, but they did. They grossly misused Brody Lee in his career. And then, and that'll, then that'll always go down. They grossly misused the guy. It, it's true. And not to interrupt, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let's not forget. And I said this, I think, last week on the show. This is a guy who they would have been able to sell in a title match at WrestleMania in a triple yeah. threat with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. The fans were going crazy for him. And they said, that's not our plan. We're going to have him lose a triple threat prior to Mania and have those two go head to head. And then they put him in the Bludgeon Brothers, which fine, like whatever, they tried that. Um, the guys both got injured, whatever the case. And then Vince uh, reportedly, and I don't know whether this is true, but reportedly saw him at that like uh, pre-WrestleMania tournament thing that they did with like uh, NXT people and 205 yeah. Live people and whatever, and saw his match and was like, no, I'm done. Then let's not forget the reports. He didn't like him because he couldn't do a Southern accent. Right. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, like, like not not being able to cash in on Brody Lee is a huge mistake for WWE. But, the the but no. talent, the athleticism, the personality, it's there. But Jack, I don't even care about the Vince stuff. Like, okay, make fun of Vince, like, whatever. I thought that was bad. I thought, I thought it was a poorly done segment in terms of just production, quality, storyline, all that. I, I didn't think it was good. I also didn't think it was necessary. But besides that, I just don't care about this. Like... Yeah, he's part of the Dark Order. The Dark Order still doesn't mean anything to me. They still haven't done anything cool. The coolest thing they did was the vignettes teasing the Exalted One and asking people to join them. But then they never pulled, They never did anything with that. Okay, they're asking people to join them, but they don't get any bigger each week. The people are still in masks. It doesn't mean anything. Um, he, they, they keep asking people to join them and throwing masks on them, but they don't join. And it's just like, what, where's this going, man? Well, that's but that but that's the thing that I'm willing to do because you know me and my patience. I'm willing to see where this goes. And again, the circumstances suck because these shows don't really have much of a direction to begin with. So I'm gonna let it play out for a little bit. I like Brody. I th I think that this role is gonna be good because, but I think my interest in, is more in the fact that AEW did about as good a job as they could have in that the Dark Order gimmick fell. I think fell flat is an understatement. It crashed and burned. But instead of just scrapping it, like they did the Nightmare Collective, they said, no, let's try to turn this around a little bit. I think well, we could do something with this. I, th I think and, that... Go ahead, sorry. And slowly but surely, it, they've turned the negative into a positive, and now we have 
the debut of the guy that a lot of people do believe WWE grossly misused in Brody Lee as their leader. So I'll give it a little bit. Uh, I'll give me a few more weeks. My thought on it is this. The Nightmare Collective had reached a zero. It started at a four and it hit zero, right? Dark Order started at like a seven and it hit three or two. And now it's back at a five or six. I, I, you know, it's still just not something that I care about. I don't necessarily think that Brody Lee being the leader is a bad decision. I think he has done a good job in terms of looking the part. And I believe in him as a leader of a group. But I also think that AEW is pretty dead set, it seems, on introducing a trios belt sooner than later. And it just feels to me like they're forcing a lot of groups. Death Triangle, obviously, they're great, very talented. I like Death Triangle. No, no, no me too. And the name's funny and it's it's, it's great. Yeah. But it just, it just seems like they are forcing it to get all these groups together and get faction warfare. And I like faction warfare. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, and but like Evil you. Uno doesn't do it for me. The other guy doesn't do it for me. The two jobbers they added don't do it for me. And Brody Lee is the only thing about that group I care about. And I don't even care that much about him. And I, I don't even think you and I have ever discussed this. I don't think Adam pr- privately or on a show. And so maybe the fans don't know. I hate six man titles. I hated yeah, them. In, I hate them in Ring of Honor. I hate them in New Japan. I think they serve no purpose. And then to your point, it it ends up cluttering things. Yep. Just do well. Just do a mid card title, or like I tweeted last night. If you have this relationship with AAA, that is a that is a world champion. That is a recognized world championship. Do more title defenses on your damn show. Yeah, get with AAA and organize how Kenny can defend the title a little more on that show. And then at least for the time being, even though it is a recognized world championship, you have a de facto mid-card title on your show. It it is way more important for AEW to have a mid-card title or use the AAA title as a mid-card title, which which I don't think they would like very much. But um, it's more important for them to do that than it is to introduce trios or anything like that. The They have so much, I've said this before, they have so much male singles talent on that roster that they're just not, using and i'm not saying they're not using it in the same way wwe does where you forget they exist but like darby allen right now i was just gonna say that could very believably be challenging sammy guevara for a mid-card title i was just gonna say it's so much easier to do something like that you have hager you have these hot some decently sized guys i don't know what the situation with Cobb is but he's kind of there um you know, even Dustin Rhodes could be involved in something like that. You, There are, and I'm just scratching the surface, MJF, like so on and so on. Yeah. There's plenty of opportunity for that. And, you know, I don't, I don't think, I know they're not trying to rush things and trying to be really smart and that's cool, but they are, it does seem they're going towards that trios title and it's just the wrong decision if they do ultimately do it. So we'll see. Uh, finishing up though. Uh, on the fastest 15 minutes in pro wrestling, which are going to exceed it slightly. Jack and I do talk a lot when we get together. Uh, NXT tried to fill the arena with wrestlers talking, um, t- making noise during matches, specifically Austin Theory uh, early in the show against the, in that match with Tyler Breeze. First of all, I thought the match with Tyler Breeze was great. Yeah. Theory talking crap I thought was pretty good. It just got exceedingly repetitive. Like he said the same thing six or seven times in a row. Um, but... I thought the finish was inventive, um, kind of taking the camera out to taunt him and then losing that way. Obviously, Theory will get his win back later on down the road. But I like the idea of allowing the wrestlers to make noise to fill the emptiness. I liked it a lot more 
last week when AEW had them gambling from ringside. <laughs> the gambling in a trailer somewhere was annoying as hell. I thought it was yeah. cool. It was cringy. You don't even know what they're betting on. Like, of course, if it's, if it's uh, what's it called? Uh, Cody Rhodes against Jimmy Havoc. If you bet on Jimmy Havoc, you're a moron. He's not going to beat Cody, right? So what are they gambling on for that match? What are you gambling on for Omega versus Sammy? You know Omega is the superior wrestler, right? So, you know, are they betting on pinfall or submission? Things like that could be interesting. But I thought it worked when it was in the crowd. I'm sure there were group gathering size reasons why they didn't do that. But they were still yeah, all probably. together in a trailer really close next to each other. It, it just was the wrong thing for me. Now, in NXT, I did think that they succeeded in adding volume to the matches, I don't know that WWE can do that main roster wise, but for me, it did work on NXT. I, I enjoy it, but even Theory, he did get a little repetitive. And you guys know I love Austin Theory, very love, love, love the kid, but not so much the flash in the pan part. The flash in the pan part at least told a story. He was like losing his mind because Tyler Breeze called him a flash. Also, WWE, can you do me a favor, please? I'm begging you. Can we not talk about 32 year old Tyler Breeze like he's 55 years old? <laughs> He's been I there for he's been I there don't for a care. Long time. He's 32. <laughs> they talk about the guy like he's 55. Like they do, Jesus they, Christ. <laughs> they do talk about him like he's a 42-year-old veteran. Dude, I, I, I'm like, dude, he's 32. Like this and, and watch him in the ring. The dude could still like he's another one that they're kind of but no, that annoys the hell out of me. But no, the flash in the pan part, I didn't mind because I like the story of how Austin was just losing his mind. And I also, I saw some people complain, which I knew, you know, they're going to do this, how he lost the match. He was like, dude, he lost the match because he was his arrogant asshole yeah. self. He dominated the match. Against a great wrestler in Tyler Breeze. Yeah, he, he so dominated that match and then that to happen. Yeah, I, I, had, I had zero issue with him losing like, the match. Some people had this expectation that, he was Austin, 22 year old Austin Theory was going to come from Evolve, dominate NXT. No, 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 no. Like, this is perfect use of him. He's got to learn. You have to be patient, just like everyone saw Velveteen Dream in the match with Champ, and they're like, oh my God, put him on the main roster, give him the WWE title. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. not ready for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying he shouldn't be fast tracked. He should be. Dream should be on the main roster inside of two years. But no, like, when they gave him the North American title, that was a good decision. Keith Lee giving him the North American title, that's a bad decision. Yeah, Keith like Lee, Keith Lee, you could have put on the main roster in a mid-card feud immediately. That he, was, had to, he had the cachet from, from Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. I pray, Adam, I'm serious. I pray every week that Keith Lee doesn't get hurt because, good God, you talk about having to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. I mean, even like Brock Lesnar putting him over. Like, get get the guy out of there and he get had, him in front of those people. He had two, he's had two main roster appearances. Roman Reigns put him over. Brock Lesnar put him over. And now he's North American champion in NXT. Yeah, no. What are you doing? Either, either put him in the main title feud in NXT, which I'm fine. You know, elevate him against Adam Cole. Have him beat Cole. That's fine. Or just take him to the main roster. Stop waiting. What are you doing? Maybe, look, look, maybe, look, truth, maybe he'll drop the title to Priest here uh, in this triple threat Haas match. The meat slapping uh, extravaganza they're going to have with Dijakovic, <laughs> with Dijakovic, Priest, and Keith Lee. Maybe he does drop the title and, and when they do the draft or the shakeup yeah. or whatever, maybe they do move him. But my God, like, handle him properly. No problem with what happened with Boston Theory. All right. I, go ahead. I would say when normal life returns, get Keith Lee out of there. And obviously, I think I think we could see it right now. Like you, you could see it. get undisputed era out of there. Get him out. Undisputed era has to leave. They're out. 
they're just taking up too much space for other people that need time. Dexter Loomis, ACH, uh, what's his name now? Uh, Cameron Grimes, people like that. Um, my guy Swerve, Isaiah Scott, like yeah, those guys need the time now. You got to get Undisputed Era out of there. You're totally right. All right, finishing up here fastest. 25 minutes or whatever, <laughs> professional wrestling. Uh, so Malcolm Bivens, um, the former Stokely Hathaway, finally, finally debuted on NXT TV as the manager of an Indian tag team that attacked Matt Riddle. Very similar to how uh, Authors of Pain debuted, by the way. Uh, he signed with WWE, uh, the, the tag team, I should say, signed with WWE and only started wrestling about 15 months ago. Uh, Rinku Singh, he's the guy from Million Dollar Arm. Yeah, that's that's one of those dudes, and he's huge. It's crazy. Um, also, this guy, I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna butcher his name. Saurav Gurjar is the other dude. Know nothing about him. Um, it's interesting, Jack, because you know I was not turned on to Stokely until he signed with WWE, and you said you need to watch videos of this guy. He is hilarious and great <laughs> as, a, as a heel manager, and I have since done that. And I followed him on Twitter. A couple quick interactions. Uh, he is hilarious. And he's done some of the best off-screen work in WWE or NXT over the last like year. Really funny stuff. But I thought this promo missed. Um, and it feels to me, Jack, and you can tell me if you agree with this feeling, that this was just kind of thrown together. Because they didn't announce a tag team name. They didn't say the names of the wrestlers. Uh, even Bivens himself, I'll call him Bivens because that's his on-screen name, uh, didn't really say who they are. He cut a fine promo. He was confident in the ring. I thought he did a really good job. But at the same time, I expected that when he debuted, it would be a mix of heel slash funny, entertaining. And this was kind of just, hey, we have these guys we want to put on TV. After 15 months, they're green as all hell. We need someone to speak for them. Yeah, this this I didn't I, I wasn't a fan of this at all. It, but like they 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 signed Stokely. Malk, I can't because I'm actually friends with the guy. And that's his real name is Stokely. So it's hard for me to. It's a great Malcolm, it's a great real name, by the way. And yeah, like Stokely, it, that is his name. And I've, yeah. I've known him personally for years now. But, uh, it, you know, they, they hire him a year ago after we have been clamored. We clamored and clamored and clamored. Please get the. I know he's a manager, but get this guy under contract. Well, they do. And he's been on the Florida loops and he, on the Florida loops. He's been paired with different guys, always big because that that's, that was his gimmick. Even on the Indies, he's this short, sarcastic little bastard that you just want to see get his ass kicked. So he's always with bigger guys to do his work for him. They paired him with Baba Tunde. I liked it. They paired him with Bronson Reed. I liked it. They paired him for a little bit with that former, I forget his name for that college basketball player. That's like seven foot six. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah the huge dude. Yeah. They paired him with him. I was like, okay, that might work. They were doing little experiments and they end up doing this for TV. And I was kind of like, uh, like that. It just, it, it felt, it was like, you couldn't do better with this. And for right now, it doesn't look like they're going to, cause he's also best when he has a stable of guys, like, but he has a group of guys around him. So he been teasing like Bivens enterprises. It doesn't even look like they're going to do that. It looks like it's just going to be here. Here's his tag team. Have fun. You're finally on TV. Don't like it. But to that point, here is where it's his time to shine because he's being put with an unknown act as a heel manager. They're showing confidence in him and his abilities to get not only himself over, but to get them over. 
I think that that as disappointing as this debut was, this is the beginning of Stokely, Malcolm really making a nice living for himself on the WWE roster. Yeah, we've definitely seen guys start in WWE in not so great situations in managerial roles and things like that. And it get recognized how great they are and have them either get brought up to the main roster, you know, without their team or um, just been elevated into, you know, maybe turned on their guy with a different guy and made a change. There's plenty there's plenty that they can do with him. And I think that him getting on TV and allowing them there to be audio and video of him doing his thing is positive. So whether we think this tag team is going to work, whether it feels derivative of, you know, other teams that we've seen in the past, he's not, he's unique and he's special. So I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do. By the way, the guy you're talking about is Jordan Amog bin. Okay. Something like that. He's seven, three. And like, yes, him and Stokely made a good look together, but you know, what's better. There's a picture floating around of Casey Catanzaro doing like a splash off this guy's shoulders. And it is the, Crazy. Oh, I think I've seen that. It's like when you see the tallest man in the world with the smallest woman in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's literally that. It, it's it's the craziest picture. Um, so I, you know, pair them up for all I care. You know, I don't know, but uh it, yes, I, I think we want to see more from Mr. Bivens from Stokely. You know, I am excited to see what they do. They are helping him out though, in a sense, by pairing him with Riddle to start. Because if yeah. you guys have a chance, go to YouTube, search on Twitter, look at the interactions on the indies that uh, Stokely or Malcolm had with Riddle. They're some of the funniest things you'll ever see. Like they were fantastic. How he would just claim he could choke Riddle out, yeah, and he could he could knock him out in the first round. It's it's fantastic stuff. So I think Matt's gonna help. Matt's gonna help him in this upcoming feud we have a little bit. Wasn't so I'm not I'm not very familiar with Evolve, but wasn't Stokely in Catchpoint? Okay. So, and, and, how does, not, and how does that make sense given what Stokely was? Thought? Yeah, Stokely was not originally in Catchpoint, but what he what he did was when it started to dissolve. Got it. Okay. They basically like they basically he kind of sh- he kind of was shoehorned in there by Gabe. He was he was trying to take over Catch. The the gimmick was he was trying to take over Catchpoint and he couldn't. And then eventually they just kind of gave in and put him into that slot as it started to dis- dis- dissolve and guys went on to different things. But then again, Catchpoint fell apart when uh, Drew Gulak was gone. But thankfully, it looks like Daniel Bryan's trying to put it back together. Yeah, I mean, something I actually did forget to address on the Tuesday show, um, and we'll, we'll wrap up with this. You know, Daniel Bryan has already taken Drew Gulak under his wing, and of course it's working. And as we're, you know, quarantined all, all of us self- social distancing, Chad Gable seems to have gotten into the mix tweeting at them about exercises and wrestling moves, and Daniel Bryan in all his genius, because there's no way this was planned, sent out a tweet. Hey, guys, what do you think if uh, Chad Gable jumped in and, and joined us and did all this stuff? Hell effing yes. That is exactly what I want. Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable, and Drew Gulak. Are you kidding me? Dude, <laughs> that would be it. You want to you actually do trios titles? That's a trio. Dude, I want to see you, those three wrestling. You guys know my thoughts on Daniel Bryan. I've made them perfectly clear what I think of Bryan Danielson. Uh, but you know, there's a lot we could look back on when it comes to his career, but honest to God, I'm not joking. One of the things that I'm going to remember fondly years from now is how this like lone stretch of his career, he had enough clout in WWE has currently he has, has enough clout in WWE to go up and see like Drew Gulak and catering and go, what the hell are you doing here? Oh, okay. Give me one second. Go to Vince or whomever and says, the hell is this? Why is he sitting there eating chicken? Give him to me. Goes to Chad Gable and says, what, what? 
what is this? Give him to me. He pushed for uh, Kofi Kingston to get that oppor- to get the opportunity. He pushed prior to Kofi Kingston, the original Ali. booking for for Mustafa Ali to get over and do the gauntlet and do all those things, or in the elimination here, whatever it was. He pushed for Ali, and even after that didn't happen, he continued pushing for Ali. They're doing vignettes to bring Ali back. You know, it's not vignettes. Uh, teases with the the you know glove that he wears, the circular thing on SmackDown. They're they're still doing it even during this whole weird show scenario. Um, so they're teasing Ali. They're gonna. They're, they seemingly are gonna do something with him. He's getting Drew Gulak on television. He gave him. He got him a pay per view match. That's good. Okay. Uh, and now, if he, I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. Okay. If he saves Chad Gable's WWE career, like saves it in WWE, because we I all think know he's going to. we all know there's a possibility that Gable, when this contract ends, Dave Meltzer has been crying for it for for years, and and we agree. Chad Gable has the opportunity. He's not going to be Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is special. But he has the chance to be the next. The guy who is very similar in talent and ability to Kurt Angle. He needs maybe a little bit more personality, but he has some. We've seen it in NXT when he was doing Ready, Willing, Gable and trying to get Jordan to be his tag team partner. We've seen it before, right? If, If Daniel Bryan saves Chad Gable's WWE career in WWE... I may just say he's the greatest wrestler of all time. He may be anyway. But he's, if he saves Shaggy Abel, he, I may give it to him. And and I, I did tweet this out with the with the funny caption of an old catch point picture. I actually think if you want to do it, bring Riddle up and put him in the group. Oh, my God. Do, like, do the four. Do, do a shoot fight group. Whip Ryan leading the charge. Six to midnight, dude. A, a, a catch point type deal. Bring Riddle up. Gulak or Brian, Gulak, Gable, Riddle. Yeah. I, I mean, boom. Like, uh, by the Holy way, if they, if, if they were all in, on Raw, I would actually give that a potential for happening. Considering it's SmackDown, I don't know that we're going to get Riddle, nor do I think that WWE is ready for Riddle to jump up that quickly. But um, Riddle, by the way, has been insanely entertaining. The whole tag team with Pete Dunne, the promos they've allowed him to cut, the stuff they've been allowed him to, they've allowed him to insinuate. Uh, Riddle's been entertaining. But dude, this Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable thing, I think just like Kofi Kingston a year ago at this time, we have to will this into existence. It has to start. It has to get going. Fans need to make it happen. Get behind Chad Gable. Get behind Daniel Bryan. This is great. Jack, also great, was having you join this edition of Getting Over. I know fans wanted to hear from you. You've taken not necessarily a break from wrestling, but but from wrestling audio and, and being as involved in it as you were. Certainly, there are more important things happening at this time right now, but would certainly love uh, to have you on the show again in the future. Absolutely. Uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle again? How do people follow you? At CBS. Jay Crosby, CBS, Jack, talks wrestling all the time. He likes to use full names of organizations. Uh, and and I still call it the World Wrestling Federation. Get out of my mentions. Then, now, and forever. But, Jack, <laughs> thank, thanks for joining me. Uh, stay tuned, everyone else, for Getting Overtime coming up right now. Okay, thanks to Jack for joining us here on Getting Over. As promised, Getting Overtime, got a couple questions from you all as we wrap up today's show. Jonathan at Jay Schoenfeld 17 who, if anyone, will be the next main roster call-ups from NXT? And if someone, quote-unquote, moves down to NXT, who do you think that will be? You know, it's tough, dude. Um, I do think that Keith Lee, as we kind of mentioned earlier, has that opportunity to lose the title coming up pretty soon and get jettisoned up to the main roster. It would be the move I would make. The other person to consider is Rhea Ripley. And I know she's young, and I know she just won the title. And you don't really want to take it off of her. But the women's division on the main roster can really use an injection of serious main event style talent. And I do think she has that ability. But if I did have to pick a single person, it would be Keith Lee. In terms of coming down, you know, a couple weeks, months ago, a couple months ago, I would have said the revival. It made so much sense 
to bring the revival back down. Um, but other than them, I really don't have an individual name. The rosters are not overly large, and I don't necessarily think that NXT needs that injection of talent right now. Um, you know, I could see a scenario one day where like maybe Sasha Banks goes back for like a big time feud, wins the title and is there for a few months. But even that, I mean, Sasha just got healthy again, just got back to the main roster. Even after she got healthy and had the great feud, fantastic feud with Becky, she got hurt again. I think she had a concussion reportedly. So I don't even see that happening. So right now I don't really see anyone else going quote unquote down to NXT. But I do think when we have this draft or shakeup, you're going to see a couple names pop onto the main roster. And Keith Lee, for me at least, would be one of them. I actually also want to give a shout out to Sean McDermott at I'm Bored Brother, who basically asked the same question. Uh, so, you know, thanks to both of you for that. Uh, Kim Brian M. Leone at Kim Brian Leone. He asked our last question of the day. With WrestleMania being in an empty performance center, do you have Drew lose to Brock at WrestleMania and have him win a rematch in front of a packed house? This is actually a great question. And it's something that I have seriously considered in terms of what I would do if I was booking the damn territory. I think if it was me, yeah, I think I'd have Lesnar win. And I would probably hold off McIntyre and figure out a way to get him another match with Lesnar for whatever the company's first Raw is live in front of an audience. I wouldn't even wait for a pay-per-view. I would try to figure out a way to make it a main event for a Raw and have him go over huge and get a massive reaction from fans. Uh, But this is also an opportunity for me to tease that next week, WrestleMania 36 preview show where we're going to talk about that subject and a lot more. I'm not completely sure what I'm going to do if I'm going to do a separate show on WrestleMania from the go-home shows or if I'm going to pack it all into one. But I have a theory. You may be seeing some extra episodes of Getting Over next week, including the first interview in program history. It's a huge name. I'm taping it later today. This is Thursday when I'm taping it. I am very excited for all of you to hear that. So thanks once again for joining me on this edition of Getting Over. Thanks to Jack Crosby for joining me as well. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. You can follow me at Silverstein Adam. And please head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star review, and leave us some words of praise and encouragement as well in the comments. Every single review matters. We are one of the best-reviewed wrestling shows on Apple Podcasts right now. We're one of the fastest-growing shows on Apple Podcasts. And it's all because of you guys, not just listening and sharing with your friends, which is something you need to do as well. Tell your friends to listen to this show, but also because of your reviews uh, and because of your support. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So until next week, just three words from the Silver King. Bye for now.